All right. Hello. Welcome to Artificially Intelligent, the rebranding of the podcast with my musician friend, Barrett Antar Goodwin. Indeed. And I'm a comedian, and uh, we'll talk at the end about uh, taglines and, and how to call this. So. So today, my friend, I wanted to talk about uh, narcissism and the ego. Yes. And uh, we'll get into our own egos and and everyone's ego. But the the reason it came up is I had a, an experience Saturday night that I haven't had in a while, but I've I've had it not often in my career, but often enough. I mean, it happens. I had a heckler, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, um, it it wasn't wasn't heckling like you suck. It, I'll just tell you the story. Um, it was, it was a birthday party, I guess they were the last table in the room. They were the back of the room and the host goes up and they're loud and belligerent and not paying attention. And then the next comic goes up and they're loud and belligerent and not paying attention. And I'm sort of monitoring it and getting irritated, which is dangerous because if, you know, because if I get angry and my heat's up and then they say something to me and no one else really knows why I'm angry, I could, but that's not, anyway. So I do go up and I just start my show very gently with, Hey everybody, uh, thanks for coming out. My name's Nathan. And I have been on stage less than one minute. And a guy from the table yells out, where are your jokes? Tell some jokes. And I don't know how I would normally respond to that, but because I knew it was that table and I was already angry with them for not paying attention, I just sort of yelled, shut the fuck up. You've been talking the entire show, just shut the fuck up. And he yelled out again, where are your jokes? Just tell some jokes. And I hadn't even really started my act yet. But after and I said, and I repeated myself, just shut the fuck up. I'm not going to deal with you. And that was it. That was our entire exchange. So I do my entire set. And I forget about them and I'm not really paying any attention like that. He stopped after that and I couldn't really hear him from where I was or the table being noisy. But at the end of my set, at the entire end of the show, I did something where I'm talking to people and thanking them. And I lean in a little and and I realize I'm like, I say, oh, shit, did did that table walk out when I yelled at them? Because they're gone. And someone yelled, no, they got kicked out. And I said something like, well, good for them. Didn't that make it a better show for everyone else? And everyone cheered and applauded. Yeah. And that's where I want to go with narcissism and the ego just to begin. Because I have had this experience where sometimes an entire audience will erupt in applause as the heckler or the belligerent drunk is being let out of the room. Like if they're in the front row, I've seen it happen where the owner comes up and goes, come on, you got to go. Or the bouncer. And they're like, why do I got to go? What do I do? And everybody's cheering and saying, get out. We just want, you know, they paid money. And so I guess I have two questions for you or thoughts. I know alcohol is usually involved, but I wonder if these people, I've never been able to interview them and I would love to do a documentary or just have an interview where if they have a come to Jesus moment the next day, because in the moment, their ego is so big. They're like, fuck with these 200 people. I'm the one in the right. Fuck the comedian on stage with the microphone and the lights. I should be the one that's allowed to yell at him. Fuck him. And I wonder if the next day they go, oh, shit, I'm kind of an asshole. Or if they carry that belligerence with them. And I would hope that they that it's alcohol induced. But I wonder how much of it is alcohol. And I wonder how much of it is alcohol releasing who they wish they were or want to be or their inner belligerence or giving them the courage to yell stupid shit. 
And if, and I guess I wonder if they ever wrap their heads around the idea that when 200 people, oh, I didn't even think of the story, but it happened to me years and years ago in Rochester, Minnesota, a guy was getting thrown out and he said, that guy's not even funny. And I said, hey, rest of the audience, do you think I'm funny? And everybody cheered. And I said, everybody says you're wrong. He's like, no, you're not funny. And I, so that's where this starts is, is the, the ego of the one that wants to be heard, but doesn't want to stand on stage at an open microphone or take their turn. They just want to be heard in that moment. Do you think they ever self reflect and, or do you think it's all alcohol? I, I don't know. I'm throwing this all um, on you, but that's where I wanted to start. And then we can get into our own egos and, and other subjects. I mean, I have so many questions that you don't have answers to. Like, why would you go to a comedy club if you just wanted to talk? Like, just go to a restaurant. Like, go out to eat. Like, I go have to a restaurant. You can do that. Like, there's lots of loud people in restaurants. Yeah. Everybody's talking and just go there. Like, if you're not going to actually sit and listen to the comedians and you're just going to sit there and be a, and like talk through the whole thing and be loud and obnoxious, then just go a place where that's actually appropriate. I, you know I mean? I, 20 plus years ago, I can tell you the comedy club. I won't, but I, I mean, it was fine. Um, this wasn't a heckler. There were, there was a couple women talking and um, I'm on stage and I found say, Hey, what's going on over there? And she was, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. We just haven't seen each other in four years. And like you said, and, and my thought was, and so you decided to come to a comedy club and catch up and everybody laughed and I wasn't being mean. I was just like, and I said, why didn't you just go to the movies? Hey, let's go watch him. Let's go sit through a movie until I like what you just said. Why would right. you go somewhere that involves paying attention yeah. to talk? Or why, or, or why not go out to dinner first, have a really good catch up, then go see a comedy show. Yeah. Like there's a thousand ways that it's just like, I, I don't understand that. So my next question would be, how old are these people? And that might, again, be something you may not be able to Old enough. When I saw the table, they were celebrating a birthday in the 40s to 50s. Oh, then they definitely should know better. Yes. Because if it's like a bunch of like 20-somethings, you know what I mean, 25-year-olds who, you know, came and had a couple drinks too many and got a little mouthy, it's like, well, you know, what do you expect? Right, <laughs> like, like that's what you get. We should raise the drinking age to thirty. You know, <laughs> you know. But like, so I don't think when I've been that person, when I've been in the wrong, not necessarily like that. Like I don't go to clubs and heckle people and shit. But when I've done something where I was in the wrong. It didn't generally kick in that I was wrong for quite some time. Hmm. Like it would kick in when somebody else would do the same thing to me. And then I would have the awareness that this is what I did. Then that's normally my come to Jesus moment is that like, I have I get that experience but like I can remember like saying like in relationships saying things that are just really stupid to the woman I was dating just say something really dumb and entitled and like this is whatever my right and blah 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 and if you would only blah 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 and then like 
a few relationships later be dating someone and have them say the same thing to me and be like, oh, she was right. That really was dumb of me to say. You know what I mean? Because it doesn't always make sense until you hear it. Like, you ever notice that unless you say something out loud, you actually don't know how stupid it sounds? Oh, yeah. Like, if it's just floating around in your head, it seems to make perfect sense. But then when you say it out loud, you're like, oh, that's actually really fucking stupid. That's 90% of this podcast from my head. (laughs) I've got an idea. I'm going to present this idea to Barrett. And then I start talking and I'm going, wow, I'm just fucking dumb. (laughs) What's the... If there is, what's the musical equivalent? And there's a, there's an old joke, uh, a stock joke from the internet that's actually pretty good that, you know, comedy and heckling is unique because nobody brings a guitar to a rock show and rest in peace. No one ever goes, hey, Eddie Van Halen, check this out from the audience. You know, they don't, <laughs> no one goes to a play and yells out, yo, Hamlet, you suck. Um right. So what is the musical equivalent? What have you run into? I mean, I know you've done in your career a lot of, I don't want to say humiliating, just it's work. You have a mortgage to pay, but you go do a dinner background music where you, you, you're a musician. You have these thoughts and feelings and ideas in you, but you're accepting. I call it a casino gig. People don't go to casinos to see shows. I just take it for the paycheck. So you're, you're there just playing background music and everybody's talking over you. And maybe every so often after a song, they might go, oh yeah, there are musicians here. So that's the, that's different because they're not told, all right, have dinner and pay attention to the two guys in the corner. But what is the musical equivalent? Is it just people going to a club where you're playing and just talking over you? Or do they shout out at musical shows or what, what have been your experiences? I mean, I, I once worked with this booking agent and she was cool, but she kind of would just put the band. I had a jazz band, had my my Antar Goodwin quartet, right? You know, typical jazz band. And she would just take any gig that came, even if we weren't appropriate for it. So she'd book us in like sports bars <laughs> while games were going on. <laughs> and we're sitting there playing like Coltrane, ding, 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 Like we're playing like jazz and they're just like, and maybe like, you know, people come up, do you guys know any Bruce Springsteen or Bon Jovi? And we'd be like, no, no, like, come on, you guys are musicians. You could do it. It goes like this. Da 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 da. Now you should be able to do that. And I'll be like, oh boy, here we go. And I'm that was their fault. What's the sports bar thinking when they say you got a jazz quartet? I mean <laughs> I mean, that's ex- again I I, I so I've experienced that a lot where I was in the right band in the wrong location. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's um, I don't think that's narcissist that's based not, though, because that's that's, that's just indifference to you and your art. Yeah. Whereas the heckler's indifferent to me and my so-called art because they're just drinking and having a good time and and maybe that yeah. is ego where where it's all right, I'm going to go to a club. It's my birthday or bachelorette party or just drunk. And, and I expect to have fun on my terms, which is yelling shit out. But continue with if there's anything else that can relate. I mean, I've definitely played shows that are not meant to be background music where we are the feature and people just don't like it. Yeah. And they're like, they just sit there and they check their phone and do stuff or, 
like be like, oh boy, roll their eyes and this shit sucks. And you, they don't yell it, but you hear it. It's loud enough to be heard, yeah. but not loud enough to be complained about. Do you know what I mean? Like I've, I've experienced that a couple of times. I'm always like, well, and there are times when it really bothered me because I kind of thought everybody should like everything. If it's good music, everybody should be able to like it, which is ridiculous, right? There's something, it's all music isn't for all people. And even though all people have access to all music, it doesn't mean they should like all music or it doesn't mean that they're obligated to like something like your favorite band, I promise you, is somebody's least favorite band. Oh, absolutely. Right? And, yeah, same and with neither one book, of you is, movie. Right, exactly. And neither one of you is wrong or right. It's just opinion. <laughs> if someone's favorite movie is a Michael Bay movie, they're wrong. I don't know. Name me three Michael Bay movies. Uh, Pearl Harbor, Armageddon, that Uma McGregor Island one, the island I think it's called. I don't know. Okay. Well, let's let's yeah. let's let's shift and bring it around to us then and our ego because. You know, you and I each have an ego in that we chose a profession that says, hey, pay attention to me. Yes. In some sense, uh, way, shape or form. And it's interesting in that. I, I, I have a switch. I really want to be paid attention to when I'm on stage. Mm-hmm. The instant I say good night. Not only do I not care if I'm not paid attention to people can just walk right by me and, and but I, I actively understand that I'm not the most important person in the room. If you paid for a night of comedy and I'm on stage talking, you should be paying attention to me. The instant the lights go off, my ego goes out the window and I'm like, all right, I am no longer important. Carry on with your lives. I don't expect them to praise me after a show. I like it when people walk by and go, great show. Hey, I really enjoy. Hey, great. Thanks for coming to our time. I love it, but I don't expect it. I, I do have a stopwatch. It starts when I step on stage. It leaves when I step off stage. Anything similar for you or? I mean, yes and no. I see, I didn't, I didn't, I, I, I chose music at such a young age and it's only just because I loved it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I loved playing music. I loved listening to music. I loved playing music. I loved when my friends would come over and we would jam and we would just make up stupid shit or play one song that we knew 50 times in a row in different tempos and different feels, whatever it was. I didn't, I mean, I always thought of it as a career thing, but only because I loved it. It was once I started gigging regularly and people started paying attention that I understood that there is this additional thing attached to it called like praise and attention, you know? Yeah. And there's definitely times in my life where I needed that, you know, I, I would play a show and if people didn't come up afterwards, I felt really shitty about myself. Hmm. You know, and then there were times when they came up and I was kind of rude because I would think that we sucked and they'd be like, oh, my God, you guys are so great. And I'd be like, oh, my God, seriously, that shit sucked. And then 
I realized that that's basically negating someone's experience. And so I stopped doing that. Yeah. And I just learned to say, oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. We love what we do. We have a lot of fun, which is the truth these days. You know, like it's the truth. But I think for a long time, I wasn't, I wasn't living my truth, as they say, as the kids say. I was playing, you know what I mean? Like I was playing in... And not even that, like, I disliked the wedding bands. It was fake until you make it. You were playing your truth, but you, you were saying, oh, thanks. I love being a musician or I love it. And right, like, exactly. It's a, until it caught up to you. You knew to say it before you felt it because right, you knew it was the appropriate response as opposed absolutely. to, dude, wedding bands fucking suck. What are you talking absolutely. about? They're great. I mean, and the thing is that the, the main wedding band that I was in was led by one of my best friends. Half my friends were in the band. And we didn't get paid great, but we got paid solidly fair. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, like, at the end of the day, playing music with my friends, like, I'm getting paid hundreds of dollars to wiggle my fingers on an instrument with some of my best friends and then eat some rubber chicken, you know what I mean? Or some overcooked salmon, you know? Like, because they always overcook everything. Everything's just fucking overcooked. Not you know? a high wedding. <laughs> That's true. The pizza was perfect. <laughs> well i hear you and i agree with you because i started doing comedy because i had these ideas in my head and i wanted to get them out of my mouth i wanted to express them and that was the most important thing it's only now years later that i have the what i said earlier it's like look if you're coming to a comedy club and paying money or even if you got free tickets other people paid money just shut the fuck up while i'm on stage that's where my ego comes in and I think, I hope, and I could be told otherwise that that's a healthy ego. If it were, I'm king shit, dig me 24 seven, that would be a bit much. But if I can limit it to 45 minutes or an hour, whereas like, look, just sit back, forget your life for just a second. Let me take the wheel. Everybody just relaxes and we're going to have some fun. You know, I think that could be healthy enough to, to say it's the difference between look, respect my time and I'll respect your time. I'll respect the fact you paid money and came out tonight. If you respect the fact I'm on stage, it's mutual. It should be mutual. It's not me, dig me, I'm on stage. It's, hey, we're all here. Let's make this work together. Yeah. I feel like what you're asking is a lot for... I don't want to say the typical American, but what you're really asking you for, but what you're asking for is almost the exact opposite of this kind of lone wolf, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I, I, I do this and I don't want the help from this and that and all this other stuff. The kind of a, now all that stuff is well and good, right? Like pull yourself up, not need other people's help. I get all that. But I think that there's a kind of corollary that goes with that, that is, I don't have to care about other people because we're not a team. We're not a unit. So I don't have to be concerned about the needs of other people, right? Um, Hmm. I can go to a club and if they don't like it, then they can throw me out or they can say something, but I'm just going to do me because that's what I do. Like there's a certain thing, and maybe that's not American. I maybe it's, I, I haven't spent enough time in other countries to to say whether or not that's an American thing or just a human thing. But I feel like we 
we have a sense of kind of entitlement that we should be able to have what we want when we want it. And if other people aren't into it, then that's their problem. There's not a sense of like, there's 200 people here in this room, I should be considerate. It's like, that's almost like snowflakey liberal shit. You know what I mean? Well, that, that makes sense. It does. I mean, it's a bit of a reach. It's a reach, but I don't think it's too no, far off. You know what I mean? It's not far off. And I don't, I hate what I'm about to say. And I apologize to both people watching. <laughs> I, I don't mean to go political, but I do. Cause I'm going to go to what you just said, snowflakey. It goes to the past couple of years of what you said earlier, speak your truth. I'm speaking my truth. Well, your truth can be complete horseshit. It can, no matter what that truth is, because, and here's the political part, Donald Trump is speaking his truth when he lies and says the election was stolen. I mean, that's the problem with having individual truths as opposed to the truth. And truth, there are varying degrees, but what you just said should be an absolute truth. Hey, I am one person in an audience of 300. That means 299 people seem to be paying attention and laughing. Maybe I'll just sit back and sit this one out. I'll just, you know, like this, this comic isn't my cup of tea. I don't think he's funny, whatever. I'll just eat some chicks, uh, some, some chicks. I'll eat some chicks. I'll uh, eat some chips, uh, have a drink, and I've wasted an hour of my time. That should be a truth. But when we get into... Uh, speak your truth, never let uh, the man, whoever it is, never let society hold you back, then it becomes, where are the jokes? Which leads I us mean, all the way back to the, what happens when 200 people clap as you're getting thrown out? Or if you get to watch the tape the next day of, hey, by the way, uh, at the end of the show, uh, when we noticed the, when the comedian noticed that you got kicked out, everyone cheered like, yeah, the audience is better without him. We, we'd let the, the Deadwood go. Do you then double down and say, fuck all of them? Or I don't know. It, it's like you said, it is dangerous to, that everybody speaks their truth. Well, you know, remember my old, well, of course you do, because we drove out to see you. Uh, my old roommate, Anne, right? Yeah. So she and I, we went to the movies once. We went to the movies on more than one occasion. So but we, we just we all saw Jerry Maguire together. Yeah, there you go. You, me, and Ann. Yeah. Wow. That's, wow. How funny. <laughs> so she and I went to a movie once and I brought Chinese food and I ate it. And she was like, oh my God, I can't believe you're eating like smelly Chinese food around all these people. That's so rude. And I was thinking, one, the Chinese food doesn't really smell past this little radius. So maybe I'm being rude to you, but nobody else. Or I bring a sandwich. I'm like, I'm not spending eight dollars on a hot dog that i don't want you know what i mean and pretzel sticks i'm gonna bring my little fucking half a turkey sub in with me it wasn't tuna it was half a turkey what does the turkey sandwich smell like nothing you know what i mean like, and i would eat it and she's like oh my god that's so rude i can't believe you you would do that it smells so bad and i'm like it's a turkey sandwich like what does a turkey sandwich smell like beyond again this little two foot radius that we have here sequestered away in the theater where everyone spread out i was like but in her mind that was really rude and and arrogant and arguably somewhat narcissistic of me and in my mind i was like no i'm hungry and i don't eat the bullshit they serve at movies and even if i did it's way more it's 
too expensive. It's not worth what I'm paying for it. So I'm going to go buy this practical thing. And that seemed to make perfect sense to me. I do it now with sushi. <laughs> I bring sushi into the theater. And I just eat it. But again, it doesn't smell like anything. I sit way in the back. I eat my sushi. Nobody knows. And I'm enjoying myself while I'm watching this movie. I Though saying all that, I would imagine that to someone like her, that's a ridiculous idea. Even if you could, like, it makes more sense to go get a bunch of popcorn and $8 hot dogs that you don't want and shit like that and smelly chicken fingers from the movies than it does, you know, and spend $30 on six items of food than just go to the store, buy a fucking bag of potato chips and your fucking sandwich. To me, it's a no-brainer. Of course, I'm going to buy my sandwich, my potato chips, and smuggle it in. That's what I'm going to do. But to her, it may not be drastically different than somebody talking at a show. Do you know what I mean? I do. Like, and I, I don't go, see it as I go right thing. down the middle. I would absolutely go right down the middle. If you are going to uh, Star Wars on a Friday night, opening night, and it's packed, it's bullshit to pull out your food and eat it with everybody around you. If you're going... <laughs> You know, Tuesday at 7 p.m. when there are 10 people in the theater and you're by yourself, do what you want. Right. I mean, it's situational. Everything I think is situational. Right. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is there's 200 people and it was all wall-to-wall people. I don't know what the difference is between bringing in my chicken, my turkey sandwich, or someone else bringing in, buying chicken fingers and hot dogs. You know what I mean? Like, why? Why is my turkey? I think the difference is somehow, just societal norms. You know, like well, right. But like, why is my turkey sandwich? Why is my turkey sandwich somehow offensive to someone who's not <laughs> eating it? It's kind of like, see, this is where the difference is to me. If what I'm doing doesn't affect you in any other way than it burned, it what is it? It uh, you know makes you butt hurt. Is that what the kids say? <laughs> you know, like it, then then that's not my problem. You know what I mean? Like, if you don't like the fact that I'm wearing a brown shirt on a on a fucking Thursday, then I actually don't give a shit, right? But if I show up to a wedding where I'm supposed to wear a tuxedo or a suit and I'm wearing sweatpants and a brown shirt, then yeah, you got a right to be annoyed. But if we're like, I find that a lot of stuff that people get annoyed about is stuff that is not actually reasonable. Right, like me eating my sandwich, minding my own business, not bothering anybody. My sandwich doesn't smell bad or anything like that. And people get pissed off at that. That's their issue, not my issue. That's an issue of like people, like when you say people who get drunk and this is who they really are. It's like the same thing where people, and I used to be this way, and I'm still this way a little bit, but I definitely used to be this way more. Where like in order for me to say something that was confrontational, I had to be really angry. So I had to wait for it to build up to this place where I had felt like legitimately angry and then I could say something. And I'm like, well, and I would be mad at people who just would say it without being mad. Like, hey, dude, seriously, what are you doing? Stop that. And I'd be like, oh, what an asshole. But then when they get, when it gets out of control, they're like, dude, fucking stop that. You know, it's like, all right, fine, I'm fine already. Jesus Christ, whatever. But it's just like, I feel like, when people get mad at that stuff, it's because they actually wish that they could do it. And well, they, they don't, you know what I mean? But again, I could be reaching. Well, before you go any 
further, we, you hit me with something or the, the idea of having to be mad. I think it's because just, just focusing on that people understand emotion. Mm-hmm. You know, if someone just says flat, like, dude, knock that off. Then you're like, what a fucking asshole. But if they're like, dude, knock that the fuck off. What's wrong with you? You're like, whoa, shit, he's pissed. And it might piss you off, but people understand emotion. If you do something in a neutral tone, it comes off more dickish because it's dispassionate and dispassionate can be read as sociopathic or just evil, if that makes sense. Because the idea of someone is just standing up for themselves. I'm the only thing I'm focusing on in my head is people understand emotion. So if someone yells, yeah, you, you get that they're pissed and you react differently than if they just tell you to knock it the fuck off flatly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, there's, there's a level of truth to that. I will say a corollary to that idea. When I was younger, I'd go to rehearsals. I apologize to anybody who I was in your rehearsal and I did this. I'm sorry. It's my fault. I'm a dick. Right. So I'd be in rehearsal and I'd be like, three quarters prepared, you know? Like one of those, like, okay, yeah, play the song back and then, yeah, why don't we listen to the song before we play it? You know, huh? that kind of shit. Like, because I, I kind of knew it, but I needed to refresh it and then make a couple of last minute notes on my chart or some shit, you know? And there'd be always somebody there who's always super prepared. It was like, come on, dude, what the fuck? And I'm like, ooh, what an asshole. Oh my God, that guy's a dick, you know? And then I started being the guy who was super prepared for rehearsals. And I became that dick. Not because I'm a not because that person was a dick. It's because like take what you do seriously. Yeah. And do it. And don't waste other people's time. Like it's kind of obnoxious if there's four people in a rehearsal and three of them know what the fuck is going on. And then everybody's got to sit around and wait for the fourth person to pull their head out of their ass. You know what I mean? Like if you got to waste 45 minutes in a two hour or three hour rehearsal, making sure your idiot bass player knows the fucking tunes, that's a waste of time and money. You know what I mean? And then the gigs generally aren't much better. Right. And when I stopped doing that, I became that asshole. I wouldn't be like, come on, dude, what the fuck? You know what I mean? I'd be like, Oh boy, here we go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I would never be like vocally confrontational, but there would be a bit of eye rolling. And if the person asked me afterwards what I thought, I would say if so-and-so shows up to next rehearsal, I'm prepared like this, get somebody else. Because what, we don't what? have time for this. You know what I mean? Uh, okay, you finished. That was that was a strong finish. I had my thought when you said, what prevented you from being confrontational? The fact that it wasn't your band, would you be confrontational if it was your band in the moment or? No, I'm not confrontational in those moments because I realize it's unhelpful. Well, I mean, right. what about a confrontational it can be a negative word. Is there a word for supportively confrontational? Like, hey, man. Um, all right. I know you don't have your shit together. That's fine. Uh, we have another rehearsal on Tuesday. You got to have this shit down. Like. Uh, that's still yeah. sounds, I mean, it's, I don't know. Yeah, I would, I would say that stuff generally after the rehearsal. I mm-hmm. wouldn't do it in front of other people. That's the thing that I don't that like sense. about the way it happened to me 
there's a lot of times people would just say it in front of everybody. You just get blasted in front of everybody. And that is not actually helpful. It's humiliating and it's embarrassing. And so it's, it's motivation in that way. I don't want to be humiliated or embarrassed. But, the, the, but it leaves like, a, like for me, and maybe it's just my own ego and childishness at the time, which is highly probable, actually, not even possible, but probable. I would then go into the learning of the material resentfully. Fuck, yeah. fucking, I'll learn this goddamn material so this motherfucker didn't say shit about me. What a fucking asshole. Instead of being like, you know what? I'm better than this. I should really show up prepared. And that's what I would say to people afterwards. Like, I definitely pull people aside after rehearsal. Like, hey, man, you really dropped the ball in there and you're a much better musician than this. It's not a good representation of, of what you're capable of. And if people are going to hire you based on your behavior, you're a great musician who showed up unprepared. It's not going to get you hired in the future. Well, this gig sucks. Yeah, but the three other musicians here don't know that you're really good. So all they know is what they saw today. You show up, play a bunch of wrong notes, and kind of shit the bed, as they say. And they're not going to recommend you, or they're not going to hire you. And that's going to be a real problem for you. You know what I mean? And there was a person who said that to me, and that's actually one of the things that changed my attitude. Is oh, he's, I was like, oh, he's right. Like I started realizing that I knew a lot of people who were well off and doing really well and touring on big tours and producing great things, and they weren't calling me. You know, even though I was good friends with them, I'm like, why aren't they calling me? It's like, oh, because the last three rehearsals I did to them, I showed up unprepared. So why would they? Why would they risk this? real opportunity on me if I've never shown them that I can actually show up like legit show up why would they waste their time and that was a real moment for me when I realized that like some of my friends are doing much better and they weren't looking out for me not because they weren't my friends but because they didn't trust me to do right by them professionally and I was like oh that feels really shitty when you come to like let's say that guy who was at the bar who was the heckler if his friends stopped inviting him out, when they started going out, they stopped inviting him, he would change his behavior. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because he'd be like, why aren't they invited? When you, when you hear over the weekend, oh, so-and-so, we all went to so-and-so. Oh, you didn't call me. Oh, dude, sorry. Uh, uh, some bullshit excuse, you know what I mean? Like, same excuse <laughs> I give people when they say to me, when they say to me, oh, dude, I see you playing with this band. How come you didn't call me? I'm like, oh, dude, sorry, I'm not in charge. Thought you were the musical director. Ah, you know, but she had a friend. And uh, and I'm like, the reality is, like, dude, you would know. Fuck no, I'm not calling you for that gig. You know what I mean? That's the truth. <laughs> the reason I laughed is, oh, you didn't call me. And my first thought was, well, yeah, you're you. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Like, you wouldn't call you dickhead. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. I had a thought, um, and this this veers back into politics, sort of, but not really. It goes to what you said, what we were saying about confrontation and humiliation and being embarrassed in front of others, and it made it made me think of something I think we've talked about, maybe in passing, but uh, well, we we've talked about cancel culture, but this aspect of cancel culture. When was you you talked about someone? You you go into the learning process resentful. And that made me think of cancel culture and the idea that when was the last time someone yelled at you, shamed you, said, you're a fucking asshole. And you went, oh, yeah, 
I'm an asshole. I'm going to be a better person moving forward. And that's the problem with cancel culture is that the shaming and the ego side of it, uh, we're right and you're wrong and you need to change. And the Dave Chappelle thing, you did this 20 years ago. And if we find out about it, we're going to get, when has that ever worked? Has anyone that's ever yelled at someone and tweeted them and said, fuck this person, has anyone on that end of it ever been yelled at and called an asshole and told to go fuck themselves for something they did or believed or thought and had them go, well, I'm going to be a better person moving forward. Thanks for screaming at me because I can tell you right now, it's never, ever, ever happened to me. I'm going to tell you a quick story. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not going to tell the joke because it will get me canceled. I might have it on a CD. So if someone unearths it someday, I'll get in a lot of trouble. But I, I had a joke that I would say involved a mentally handicapped person. And it was not really at their expense, but people hear what they want to hear. In my mind, it, I, I was not. But I got yelled at once and uh, like, fuck you, you shouldn't talk about, you know, like I got really, uh, and my response was, fuck you, just fuck you. It's a joke. Several months or weeks, or I don't know when later, an elderly couple after a show came up to me and said, I really thought you, we thought you were very funny. Didn't like this joke and here's why. And they talked to me for two minutes about their disabled child. And even though in my head, my joke was not at the disabled expense, the way they talked to me, I dropped the joke that day. I said, you know what? It could be misconstrued. I am using someone unable to defend themselves in a situation. Even if I don't believe I'm making fun of them, I'm putting them, putting them in a situation as a part of the joke that would not work without a disabled person. Right. And I can't say it any better than that. Because of the way that couple talked to me, respectfully, kindly, and heartfelt. They just said, you know, you were really funny. Didn't appreciate that joke. I mean, that stuck out to them. But I swear to God, the two different responses. One person yelled at me, fuck you, how dare you do that? Fuck you, it's a joke, versus talking to me, and I changed. And that's where we're at with cancel culture, is it's all yelling and screaming. And when someone, are you following anything with this, the Dick Cheese from the, the TV show, The Bachelor? No. Okay, so I'm gonna do a very small encapsulation and I know nothing. There's a contestant on The Bachelor, a girl, a woman from the South. She went to a antebellum party, a plantation party, something where they dress up in old costumes. And even though it is all inclusive, black, white, the overall theme is like, hey, remember the good old days? And even though if they don't do that going in, going, oh, we're going to go to a plantation party because we're celebrating slavery. I mean, it's, it's, it's the overall. It's a bad idea. And so Twitter went nuts on her. Like you went to this party when you were 18, you're the worst person in the world, fuck you. So the host of the show stepped in and said, maybe instead of yelling at people, we should be a little more forgiving and understanding. And now he's off the show. It's insane. He didn't defend her. He didn't say, look, she likes slavery or she went to, he just said, maybe we should talk more and yell less. And then now he got yelled at and it's insane that we have eliminated dialogue. I mean, what's fascinating to me is that the left is becoming the fascist regime. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, I mean, let's take, we were going to talk about this a couple of weeks ago or a week or two ago, the Amy Cooper thing, right? Oh, right. Yeah. Right. Uh, and, uh, Aaron. 
and I don't think we talked about it, right? We like, mentioned it in passing at the end. Something happened. Oh, we did. We we mentioned in passing that she got her uh, charges dropped, and right. my position was, don't drop the charges. Give her community service. I don't think she should go to jail because of what she did. But Jesus, goddamn Christ, she called nine one one for no reason. There should be. She took a racial sensitivity course. Great, you took a four hour course. I mean, no, well, I think life she be that's the balance. Took, of it. Don't ruin her life, think, but make her do some community service. I don't but know. I think she took she took five hours of therapy, five therapy sessions with a racial sensitivity, right? To a psychologist or something. She lost her job. Most of her friends are embarrassed to be seen with her. I think she and lost think, her dog. That would be I the think, most painful she, thing they, they took the they took the dog away from her. Yeah, they took her job, half her friends. And possibly, I don't know what happened to her house, her apartment, if she could even afford it without the job. She probably lost a big chunk of her future, not just her job and her friends. Right. This is going to haunt her. And like, and the idea that like that coupled with five hours of racial sensitivity would not spawn some kind of awakening in a person, I find hard to believe. Like, at what point? is enough enough like at what point has she paid penance for what she did that was arguably while remarkably racist and really stupid was just a knee-jerk reaction to somebody confronting her yeah do you know what i mean and like and in a way that while not crazy aggressive to me might could be interpreted as like why is this stranger coming at me right like like it takes a lot like you're you're like an ass right so you will always go after people for fucking up like you're the idiot who throws people's litter back in their car and stuff and that that you're that guy most people aren't like that so when somebody steps out of their way to do something like that it is a bit confrontational but let me go one further. Let me go one further because this just popped into my head. I have never heard this said and I have not thought it myself. And to be clear, not forgiving her for what she did, racist, wrong. We live in the Me Too era where we are learning or being told or explained to us how women live. Their radars are always up. They are prey. Absolutely. There are men that are predators. Absolutely. Here's a woman in a park and a strange man approaches her like you said, knee-jerk reaction, wrong reaction, right. yes. But we, we have Absolutely. these dichotomies of women have been mistreated by men for ages. Oh, but black men have been mistreated by women, white women for ages. I mean, it's, it's, it's stacking on one another and it's one situation that got out of hand. Did she do something stupid? Yes. Should she probably do community service? Yes. Has her life been destroyed? Yes. Did she bring it on herself? Yes. Everything is a yes. Um, you make me think of Michael Vick. I remember when Michael Vick went back into the league and people blew up. He should never be able to play football again. And I think I've said this before. I think the Venn diagram of people who say, we need prison reform. People deserve a second chance. And the people saying, fuck Michael Vick is a perfect circle. Because in my mind, he went to jail. He served his time. I don't like what he did to dogs, but he can play football. You know, he served his time. Let him move on with his life. And I'm that way with a lot of things, you know, once you have been 
once you have learned what it's like to have to offer attrition in one form or another, prison, let's just move on with our lives. And we are in a scary place where that's not allowed. Yeah. And I, I feel like this is, this again comes down to that fault versus responsibility thing. You know, like people called what happened to her just another example of white privilege, right? right. That's why this thing got dropped. It's just another example of white privilege. But then is what happened to Michael Vick. He went, served his time, and then went back to playing football, and his life wasn't ruined. You know what I mean? Is that money privilege? Right? That's like, talent privilege. <laughs> For right, the longest right. time in the NFL or the NBA, if you had talent, you played no matter what you did wrong. Yeah. Oh, dude, the, the date rape charges against half those athletes is it's absurd. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, but right, didn't Vince Neal kill somebody? Yeah. Vince Neal <laughs> yes. killed a guy and then got high as shit and did the Rock Against Drugs commercial high as fuck and then still went on to have a career because yeah. he's got money. He didn't get brought up for vehicular manslaughter charges. Well, he did, but he, is, he paid he like $30,000 or $60,000 fine. I don't know what it was, but yeah. he, he paid a fine right. to the families. He got and out he, of it and he did he 30 days. days. He right. did yeah. 30 days. Right. For vehicular manslaughter. He served 30 days and did a rock against Troy's commercial when he was high as fuck. Yeah. Right. Yeah. To now, be fair, he only killed his friend, but that's, <laughs> it's not like he killed a stranger. But the, the funny thing is, is that, <laughs> I okay. would, and this, I apologize to Razzle's family. I do. In a way, Razzle got off lucky because the strangers were, I believe, weren't they crippled for life? Isn't one of them paralyzed? I mean, their lives were ruined. I would, yeah. and I'm just speaking for me, I would I'll, I'll probably I'll be rather be dead than paralyzed from the neck down. People talk about life being precious. I'm not that generous. Um, but yeah, Vince got off way easy and right. did not. Now, again, I feel like maybe what happened to Amy Cooper, it could be construed as white privilege. I'm sure that I could, I could very easily see why people would think that. It could also be a desire to not hold everything against everyone what is it in perpetuity is that the term <laughs> right yeah. like right also be an overworked court system right like but like but realistically if somebody brought up some shit that i did some shit i called a girlfriend or ex-girlfriend in the middle of a heated fight when i was 22 right if somebody brought that up 20 years after the fact and canceled me for it, I'd be like, I was fucking 22. Yeah. Like, do you not assume, like, we have this idea, I think I've said this before, we have this idea that everybody's born with like this pristine white suit on, and then you spend the rest of your life getting it dirty and try to keep it as clean as possible for as long as you can. And it's just the opposite. You're born with a dirty, soiled, fucked up suit and your job is to clean it over the course of your life, not the other way around. You know, what I mean? you have not said that, and I have never heard that. But that's goddamn brilliant because it's all we my do somebody is else strive to be better every day than we were the day before. Right. 
Right. Like, isn't that the goal? Is to just, they call it in Buddhism, polishing your diamond. Right? Like, we, maybe we all start off as a lump of coal. Santa left us in a fucking stocking. It's not a drinking off metaphor, sorry. <laughs> I get it. Polish your diamond. <laughs> Mine's a half carrot. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's is a cubic zirconia. Shit. <laughs> but, but like but it's really true. Uh, <laughs> musician funnier than a comedian fuck you <laughs> well it's short bursts of, of humor um but really like i feel like we have to allow for people to make mistakes and move past them right like i think we did we talk about this last week because I've had this thought with the racism thing, right? Maybe. Like what I what I would love. Oh, we did talk about this. We did. Yeah, I would the, love, the idea, the acknowledgement. Right. Yeah. What what it, I don't I understand that it wasn't my fault what happened, but I also understand that it's my responsibility to do something about it. Right. Yeah. Like I absolutely get that. What bothers me is the denial of my reality. Right. When I say to somebody, oh, this really fucked up thing happened to me and it was racist. They go, that's not what it was. That's not racism. You don't. And they jumped on my throat. I'm like, whoa. Like they just decide my reality didn't happen. And even though they weren't there, they know that I'm just blowing something out of proportion. And I'm like, mm, maybe not. And I think that's arguably what, what women have been arguing about is like when some dude comes and grabs their butt. You know what I mean? So he grabs his secretary's butt and feels her up and shit and stuff. And she goes, hee, hee, oh, ha, ha. And then it's like, oh, come on, honey, you like it. When she goes and complains, it's like, you know, it's like, well, but we don't, we don't all have a, like what you said earlier, like there's your truth and there's the truth. And it's like, but maybe there's not the fundamental truth. There's like a fundamental fact that we could call the truth maybe, this factual thing happened, right? But the way that people interpret it, the way that like if you and I go see a movie, the fact is we saw a movie. But if you love it and I hate it, that's my truth and your truth and they aren't the same. You know what I mean? Because I like Michael Bay movies. I thought Pearl Harbor was great. Lydia, (laughs) my wife gets so pissed at me because I have an end around to what you just said. Um, (laughs) Say we we both go see a movie and and you like it and I hate it or or I then then I say that's fine. Yeah. Uh, um, The fact is, it's a bad movie. Your opinion is you like it. That's fine. Uh, You you can like it. (laughs) My opinion is I dislike it. But the fact is, it's a bad movie. I mean, that, right. that's she hates it when I do that. Um, let's start <laughs> wrapping up. I do want to say one thing as we start to close. This goes this goes back five minutes in the conversation. Yeah. I know that I have asked you this, and I, you said yes, but you left off somewhere. Have you finished all four seasons of The Good Place? No. Can I give you a spoiler? Can I can I ruin part of it for you? Sure. I really liked the program and it goes with forgiveness and what we're talking about striving to be better every day. 
Um, this should not be a spoiler. It happens at the end of the first season. What you do know is that at the end of the first season, they're not in the good place. They're in the bad yeah. place. Yeah, Everybody. That part already. Okay. Right. Yeah. So at some point, and I'm not sure what season it's in, um, Sam Malone decides that he wants to be a good demon. He's like, you know what? I am seeing the humanity in these souls. Maybe not everyone deserves to be punished. So the greater, the judge of all the realms, the, the earth and the souls, and he decides, okay, we're going to give you four souls to save. If you can show that these people can improve and get into the good place, then maybe humanity isn't doomed. And one of the people, one of the souls is just this arrogant, horrible piece of shit. And he's, he's ruining the curve for everyone. They're all pretty bad, but, um, and they're on a timer. They, they have to have all four souls passed by this time. And um, one of the main characters, Chidi, and this arrogant guy are having it out. And Chidi is saying, do you not see that you're wrong? That you... And the guy starts, you're like, what? I don't know what to do. I'm so... And then the timer stops. And just as he's about to say, I'm sorry. And the judge says, see, you failed. And this is an old trope. It's been used in movies before. It was used in the movie Summer School, where Ted Danson says, um, yeah, he failed, but look at this chart. He went from negative 100. And then at that last moment, he was about to cross into the good zone because he was about to say sorry. And so it's not a matter of putting things on a timer. It's as if you, it, but if you allow people to grow and develop every day, maybe they can get there. And we, they cut him off just a second too early. And I wish more people, like we can, I, I have that thought that a lot of people will watch a show like that or they'll watch a movie. And this goes all the way back to Catcher in the Rye with the, the woman in the movie theater. People can be touched by art. They can watch a sitcom. They can watch something and think, wow, can't life be like that? And then the instant it's over, they go back to being the assholes they always were. Like the woman in the Catcher in the Rye who was crying like, oh, this is so touching. Shut up to her kid. Like, And Holden was, was noting that saying, how can she be so moved by the movie and telling her kid to shut up at the same time? But that's humanity. Humanity is, I'm so touched by this art. I wish we could live like this. Now I'm going to get on Twitter and call someone an asshole. And yeah. it's sad. It, it's, yeah, it's, we the all, ideas we generally... out there that we can be yeah. better we we think we're the we think we're the rebel resistance but in reality we're the empire yeah you know what i mean most people yep. like we all feel like like when i look at the the white supremacist and this and that doesn't have to be them it could be any group of people they're just low-hanging fruit like they feel like they're the resistance not part of the problem you know and it's like mm, i don't know about that but again low-hanging fruit but like yeah, I think you're right. I think that we, my fear is that much like alcoholics, right, we're going to have to have that moment of clarity that doesn't come until you hit rock bottom. I think this country is going to hit rock bottom when we realize that we have two fascist regimes, one on the left and one on the right. And they're both fighting over who can cancel each other more. Because the right, yeah. they're talking about, what do they say about canceling Dr. Seuss? It's like, Okay, first of all, Dr. Seuss isn't being canceled. The Dr. Seuss Foundation decided to pull four books out of the myriad of books that guy wrote. They pulled four out that I had never even heard of before. And I saw four a couple of the, of the pictures and I'm like, oh yeah, that shit should be yeah. cool. And they just yanked them and the rest of the catalog stays. Nobody canceled Dr. Seuss. They just well, yanked four books out of his huge catalog. And I'm like, 
that's what they should be doing. Well, not just that, but did you have you seen some of the pictures? No. I've seen some of the pictures and I'm like, it took you until 2021 to yank these because <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. But let me let me let me let, let's 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 call it quits. Um, let me yeah. be very clear. I have kids, I have read my kids, Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss is fucking overrated. Holy shit, most of it sucks. Most of it really <laughs> just sucks. It's like if he can't rhyme a word, he just makes something up. And people think, oh, that's so clever and creative. Try reading that shit, you know. All right, let's let's call it quits. Um, yeah. I sent out my monthly newsletter. Uh, I do that to all oh. my comedy fans. And I put, hey, uh, rebranding the podcasts. We have Artificially Intelligent, my musician friend and I. And we're thinking of taglines. And I got to tell you, uh, the colored musician and cracker comedian got some good feedback. One guy said he liked uh, hunky comedian. But then when I pointed out the alliteration, he said, you know, that's not lost on me. And the more I hear it, the better it gets. What I've been thinking about is the, the end part is too long, whereas like we, we solve 74.3% of life's problems. It's funny, but it's too long. Something like a colored musician and a cracker comedian discuss life. Short, punchy, and I'm not saying we go with it, but I'm saying why live in fear? If people don't understand it, hey, no such thing as bad press or pre good press, bad press, it's all press. I don't know. We'll keep I working for like, I feel like it just, it's inviting in trouble that I can clearly see coming. You know what I mean? Like, but that's when you prepare for it. See. It's like a hurricane. You know, you, you bunker down yeah, and put the shit up on the windows as opposed to just going, hatches. yeah, hurricane's coming. Not going to do anything about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's not suppose, out there yet. I mean, the problem, I'll say this in closing. We live in a time in which people read headlines and think they've read the article. That's true. And so I have the feeling that people will see that and not listen to the podcast and just make assumptions. And that's where the problem is, is because we live in a time where the headlines are enough for people to feel educated. You know, that's my problem. We keep putting it here at the end of the podcast until we get enough people that have seen it and then it's already there. <laughs> That exactly. way we don't leave okay. with it. It's the closing like we did last week and this week. We'll keep toying That's with right. it. That's right. You notice I didn't say it up front. I did not say it up front. I, because, I noticed that. Yeah. Yes. I was saving yes. it until the end. So we'll see. <laughs> All right, my friend. Good <laughs> yeah. seeing your face. Good talking yeah, good to, to you. Talk to you. Yeah, man. Of course. All right. All right. See you soon.